Fantastic. Man, aren't you glad you came to worship the incredible gift of Christmas today? Come on. Can we give God praise? This is about His glory. His glory. It's His story. And we get to celebrate. I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. And if you haven't been here for the last few weeks, I'll just, keep, I'll just bring you up to date real quick. We've been looking at the rather unique telling of a story of Christ's birth that doesn't include all of the other details that Matthew, Mark, and Luke include. There's no angels, there's no uh, manger or anything like that. He leaves out the details, but he leaves the significance of the event. We've been breaking that down over the last few weeks. But we've showed up here today, and man, I hope you had a chance to check out Bethlehem Marketplace. Did you guys notice we had a cow here in the front? Actually, calf, it's like three or four days old. Now, if you notice, they've named it Pastor Keith. (laughs) And I spent some time with that calf yesterday, and here's what I found out about that calf. He's hard-headed, he's loud, and he's ornery. I really think we might be related. So if you haven't got your picture taken with Pastor Keith, go out there, he's better looking than I am. But man, it's been a great time, great time, and, and, and you know, today... You know, I, I love, this is always the Sunday before Christmas, we always have a great time. And, and I was thinking as I was studying, you know, how, how do I break down this, this familiar story that we've heard a million times? And I, I thought about this, something that I think we can all identify with. How many of you in the last 24 hours have either sent a text or received a text? Let me see your hands. Okay, like almost everybody, like if you didn't raise your hand, you either don't have a good phone for texting, maybe still has the T9 thing going on, or maybe you don't have friends, I don't know. But, but here's the thing, like texting has become this thing that we do. And I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna tell you right now, in the day when I'm, I'm going through the day, I would much rather prefer getting a text than stopping everything to have a long phone conversation. Anybody else with me? Okay, you know what I do at times? I'm just telling on myself, like if I see the, the number that shows up, I don't know what the number is, I don't answer that call. I hit the side that silences that number. Anybody ever do that? There are times when I see certain names on there, I hit silence. You know, anybody else do that? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Well, for the purposes of breaking down this you know, and, and grasping this story, I, I, want, I want you to hang with me and I want to use this familiar idea. Let's just say that today, a single guy and a single girl show up to the 10 o'clock service. And somehow the single guy and the single girl run into each other and by some miracle... The single guy ends up getting the single girl's phone number. So he goes home and tonight, you know, he's just like, man, should I follow up on this? I mean, I'm single, she's single. I don't like to ask her out. Should I do this? And, you know, he even seeks the Lord's direction before he goes to bed, doesn't hear anything. So the next day, you know, he's thinking about it through work. And, and that, that evening, he just, he works up enough courage. He's going to test the water. And so he sends her a text that says, It was great to see you yesterday. Now, here's the thing. He has no idea how this is going to be received. Did she even put his number in? And so, to his surprise and to his pleasure, he gets back to this text. It was so awesome to run into you too. 
This is huge. So he has some choices to make. And so he raises the bar a little bit and sends this text. He says, what have you been up to lately? Now, let's be honest, man. Like this is, he knows that he's on the edge. Like she can say, this guy's creepy. Like, is he gonna stalk me? Like what's going on here? And so he's just, he's testing the waters. How, what kind of response? And he gets back this response. Not much really, just going to work and coming home, which is good because she didn't mention that she had like a boyfriend named Josh or something like that that she spends time with. And he's like, hey, maybe we've got something going on. So he raises the bar again when he texts her this. He says, sounds like you need to get out more and puts the laughing emoji to soften it. You know what I'm saying? So right now, like single girls, like if, you, if like this happens to you and you like met the guy at church, like follow up with me. I'll give you the lowdown on this guy. We're gonna find out because this is like the tricks that is going on here. He sends this text and here's the response that he gets. Ha ha, the little tap back. Now I wanna just like explain, if you're not familiar with, with texting etiquette, when you get a tap back, that, at least if you get one from me, that means the conversation's over. Because, like, I don't know how to get out of sometimes text conversations. And so, like, like when I'm ready to say goodbye, I just, like, hit the thumbs up button or whatever, and it's like, that means I'm checking out. Especially when you get, don't you hate those group texts of, like, 21 people and your phone just won't stop? Anyway, you get what I'm saying. So, so our poor single guy, he's got the ha-ha, and he's like, Okay, like, is she done? Like, maybe I cross, you know, we're done. And then she sends him this message. I know, right? Okay, so right now, he's got a decision to make. You know, do you walk away, but you've got this far, or do you just go big or go home? Well, since I'm the one that put this illustration together, for our purposes, he's gonna send this text that says, would you like to grab dinner sometime? In fact, I'm having dinner at Thailand Express right now, which is good because he's saying, I'm not gonna take you out to McDonald's or Carl's Jr. We're going to get some good food, some good Thai food, one of Nampa's best restaurants, Thailand Express right now. And then he adds this little gym, but it's more fun to have dinner with someone else, little winky, like, like the emoji going on. And... So, so I, he has put himself out there and he sees this in response. <laughs> now here's the deal. When you see the text bubbles, I would say this, the longer you see the text bubbles, the less likely it is that you're gonna get what you're hoping to receive. And so he's seeing these text bubbles. He's hoping that she's gonna say yes, but he's seeing these text bubbles. Now, now listen, I, I don't know about you, but there are times like somebody asks a question, I'll type a stinking paragraph, delete, start over. I've even been on the other side though. When you're seeing the text bubbles, you're, you're like, what are they gonna say? What are they gonna say? What, what's gonna be on the other side of this text? And the longer you're seeing those text bubbles, the more unsettling it's getting. Now, here's the deal. I want us to pause because as we look at John chapter one, I want to keep this slide up here on the screen, these text bubbles 
Because I want to come back to this whole idea as we look at the, uh, uh, John's telling of the Christmas story. In John chapter 1, verse 1, he writes this, in the beginning was the Word, and he's talking about Jesus here, it's capitalized there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I want to pause there. Very important. John is making an audacious, bold claim when he says that it isn't just that Jesus was was with God, he's saying Jesus was God himself. And so I want to be really clear. What we're celebrating today, the birth of Christ, is not the birth of a good man, a holy man, a divine man. We are celebrating what is called the incarnation where God took on flesh and came here. So this is Jesus is God. Now, we keep on reading verse 2. Verse two, he was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. And I want to pause here, and like if you're, if you're hanging out with me, keep your Bibles open. We're going to come back. We're going to pick up our reading in verse 9. And the reason I want to pause here is because there's a massive gap of time that exists between him telling the story between verse 5 over here and verse 9 over here. Like there are centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries between verse 5 and verse 9. In between this gap is, is God creating the world, creating Adam and Eve, like all of us, you know, like, like if you're prejudiced in any way, you got to get over it because we all came from the same mom and dad, all right? So we, we, there's, there's Adam and Adam and Eve have, have been created. And then if we read in Genesis 3, they're in paradise, but yet they sin. There's this act of rebellion, disobedience against God. And there's, God has already said, here's what's going to go down. And so, he, so he's, he's interacting with them. They're, they're Given the curse, the curse is pronounced and the curse is death. And it's not just physical death, though that's part of that. There's a spiritual death. There's a death of a relationship. There's a separation now that exists between God and man. And yet, even before Adam and Eve are driven out of paradise, there is within this curse given a promise. It's in Genesis 3.15, this incredible promise that, and it's, it's just an inkling, a little, little hint of what's going to come, that, that there's going to be somebody that shows up that actually takes this curse upon themselves, that literally breaks the power of curse, but they're going to have to bear the brunt of this. And then as we, as we move, move forward, the, in, in between this gap, man, this is the rise and the fall of civilizations. It's, we, we, we find God choosing a people by the, you know, there's a guy by the name of Abraham that, that he speaks to. He chooses his, his descendants, Israel, and, and they weren't chosen because they were so perfect. No, they were just as jacked up as we are. We're all in this together. In fact, Paul is going to write later in Romans chapter 11 that the reason he, the Israelites were chosen is so that the rest of us can be introduced to God. And what we see is that even with, with the, God having his people, a lot of times they're wanting to hear from God, but often what they see is the equivalent of text bubbles. They don't see the message. They know that God is moving, that God is active, but they don't always hear a message. In fact, God usually does not speak to men and women directly. He speaks many times through prophets. He'll give them a message for the people. And so he would speak through, for instance, Moses or David or Samuel or, or Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Joel, all the way to the last prophet there in the Old Testament, Malachi. 
And even through as, as, as they're speaking, it's funny because we have record, we have these 66 books of the Bible here, but what we don't always understand is that like the Old Testament, there's 39 books and we're like, well, he's speaking all the time. Get this, those 39 books cover, cover thousands of years. And God is speaking, but he speaks through his people, but he doesn't always speak directly. He doesn't speak when they want to hear from him. He doesn't always speak what they want to hear from him. And then we have this gap that Megan alluded to earlier between Malachi, the Old Testament, between Christ coming and Matthew. We've got this gap, it's a period of time, historically it's 400 years. And there's absolutely no word. It's 400 years of silence and darkness. No one has heard from God. No one has seen a move of God. God, what are you up to? When are you ever going to speak? Do something, God. They don't even have text bubbles. It's like in our single guy, his conversation with this this girl, it's like the text bubbles disappear and he's like, well... I guess she's done with me. And there are times that we can feel because we're not hearing a voice of of God. We're not seeing God move. We get impatient. We want to do our thing. We want to get ahead of God. God, if you're not going to do something, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make something happen. But that's never the way that God's worked out his will. That's never been the way. And I think that we can actually relate to people that are going through this 400 years of silence and darkness where God seems 100 miles away. Listen to me, it is hard to feel God's grace when all you hear is God's silence. And this is what's taking place here and in the middle of the darkness though. John writes these phenomenal, phenomenal words. It sums up the gap that exists between verse five to verse nine. And literally, in essence, it's like God got rid of the text bubbles. Look at what we read here in verse 9. The true light, again, he's speaking of Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet even the world he created did not know him. He came to his own, talking about he came to Israel, the Jews, and his own people did not receive him. And he says that generally, but then he specifies because there were those who received in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, who have been born again. God has brought this life. And I love verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He put down roots, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And what John writes in verses 9 through 14 is this phenomenal truth. God did more than speak up. God showed up. And I want to go back to my single guy that's sitting at Thailand Express trying to text this girl. He's hoping that he's going to be able to get a date. Can we go back just for a second? He's been seeing the text bubbles, and all of a sudden, he doesn't see the text bubbles anymore. There's a gap, but then he gets this text. I'm here. And so he responds, what? 
And he gets this response, I'm here. Now, how many of you have ever been to Thailand Express before? Let me see your hands. Okay, you're God's anointed people. I'm just telling you right now. (laughs) They have this little bell on the door when you walk in. And so I want you to imagine with me, he hears the bell on the door and he looks up and says, I'm telling a story, I can use my detail, my imagination. In the door walks this girl that he saw at church and the light from the parking lot light is shining just perfectly. She looks like an angel. What is that guy gonna do? I'll tell you what he better do. He better drop his phone, drop his fork, step, push back away from the pad tie and go get her because we all know the thing that trumps a text message is actually talking in person. And I want you to catch with this crazy illustration, catch this, this is exactly what God did. He stopped speaking through other people. He stopped, he stopped just giving his word. Now listen, all through history, what I love about the Christmas story, it reveals this incredible truth that all through history, God had been speaking worlds into existence by the power of his word. God had done all, all these mighty deeds by the power of his word. He had encouraged his people through his prophets with his word. But even when things went silent, when things were as dark as it could be, when people had nothing more to hang on to than our equivalent of text bubbles, God took it to a whole new level. He didn't just speak the words, God became the word. The word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Is that awesome or what? This is amazing. And we have this Christmas carol that you've probably heard before. But I love these lyrics, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet, in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And what we've been doing throughout this Bethlehem marketplace, through the presentation here this morning, even what I'm doing here, can I tell you, if it's just this, you're just hearing words and notes sung and and seeing a creative part of this. What we're wanting to do is I want to take us back. I want us to experience what took place when the word became flesh, when the word came and dwelt among us. Jesus did not show up as a mighty king or warrior. He showed up as a baby. And I'm going to tell you right now, nothing turns a rational person into a lunatic than a baby at Christmas time. You don't believe me? I'm going to tell you why. Just think about what we do to our kids. When they're born, especially if the firstborn, like you take a million pictures of your firstborn, by the time you get to the third kid, you're lucky to have a picture of them at Christmas time. We know this. But, but you know that, you're just like taking pictures. I mean, that baby's no sooner got, got out of the birth canal than we got a Santa hat put on him. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, that is amazing. And listen, adults, you can, you can talk smack and, and, did, and you know, make sarcastic comments about the way teenagers dress or whatever. Listen, we're the ones that put, rantler, I mean, put, put antlers like on a, a reindeer hat on a baby and thought it was cute. So we're putting our kids in therapy. Let's just be really honest. And if that isn't bad enough, we all somewhere have a picture of our kids on Santa's lap that looks something like that. <laughs> 
Now listen, man, there is something powerful about a baby in Christmas. It goes hand in hand. It goes hand in hand. I mean, like, like the baby comes in the room and the whole temperature of the room changes. You know, grandmas look up and grandpas wake up. <laughs> you know, it's, you just start talking about football or politics or whatever and everybody starts talking about the baby. It, it, it literally, that little infant captures the attention of a room. There's something about babies in Christmas and I think it should be. Because the reason we're here this morning is because a baby showed up. But you know as well as I do that the story doesn't end with a baby. The reason we celebrate this is because the baby had a name and in Matthew, we see that he was called Jesus because he's gonna save his people from their sins. But then Matthew added this, ex, this explanation. He said, this is to fulfill what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 7. He said, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is here. God came near. You see, the hopes and dreams and fears of all the years from that song were realized when God showed up, not in a sermon, not in a song, but showed up as a person like you and me. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally what that means is Jesus moved into the neighborhood. And what happened was Jesus gave God a face. You see, all these years, there was this distance thanks to sin. All of these years, this intimacy was broken. All these years, we were waiting to hear a word from God. And God knew what we needed was not just a word. We needed the word. And he came for people like you and I. And he came, first of all, so that he could identify with us in our sufferings. And I, I just want to pause here. I've, it's interesting. I've had some unique conversations this season. In fact, just last night, people were here and they said, I love, love, love this season. This is one of my favorite times of year. But this year, it's, it's hard. I talked to a friend of mine who lost her husband just a few months ago. She said, it's different this year. I still love it, but I hurt. Can I tell you that God showed up for the hurting God showed up for the shook up. Some of you are shaken up. Man, you didn't ask for the divorce. You didn't ask for this to happen. You didn't ask for this, this dysfunction and the division within your family, and yet here you are, and you feel like God showed up to identify with us. He showed up for the shook up. Can I, can I actually take it a step further? There are those of us that, man, you are so fed up and frustrated. You're angry with what you see taking place in the world right now. I've had conversations with you. you. You don't know what to do with the anger. You're mad. You watch the news, you're mad. You go to bed, you're mad. You wake up, mad. Your blood pressure, anytime you, you hear about this, that, or the other, you see a certain politician or whatever, you just, you're mad. You're mad about masks or vaccines or whatever. Listen to me. God didn't just show up, for the sh show up for the shook up. He showed up for the fed up. He showed up to be the answer, to bring joy, peace, hope, 
love even to the angry world. But we know that Jesus didn't just come to identify with us in our sufferings. He came to do something about our sufferings. We know that the, the baby in the manger went to a cross. When he hung there on the cross, he became our substitute. He became, he became, in essence, the one. He took the sin for us, our substitute. We should have been there. And yet, it was, it was all, those, all those years ago, centuries before in Genesis 3.15, when it said somebody's gonna bear the curse, Jesus was the one that bore that curse. And what he did, he proved that he didn't just show up for the shook up and the fed up. He showed up for the messed up, for people like you and I who have past that we're not proud of. We're going through situations that it's like, I'd, I'd like to come to God, but I'm so messed up. You don't know my past. You don't know my story. Can I just tell you something right now? You have a past. You don't know my story. I'm as jacked up as anybody in this room, but yet the grace of God has transformed my life. And what he does for one sinner, he can do for all sinners. This is the story of Christmas. Jesus showed up. You know, the story of Christmas really comes down to this. It's this, God came near to us so that we could know what it means to be near to him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what he's done since that time through the power of the Holy Spirit for every believer, he now lives in us. Lord, as we close this time, I know we've got another song I just wanna say thank you for what you have done. I wanna say thank you for your incredible plan. Who could have ever imagined that it would go this way? Like if we were putting together this story, we probably would have had you show up as a superhero of some sort, you know, like, like Superman shows up. That's not the way the story goes. You did it totally backwards of the way we do it. Common, ordinary place, a baby. And Lord, because of that, gift, the gift of that child, the child that became a man, the man who became a sacrifice, the sacrifice who died but yet didn't stay in a tomb, the man who became our conquering king. We have the ability to be set free, to be changed, to be saved. And so God, I want to thank you for what you're doing. If there's somebody here that they've never responded to the gift of salvation, I pray that even in this moment, instead of trying to clean themselves up, they'd realize that all they have to do is not put their trust in their efforts, put their trust in the work that Christ did. He became the curse for us so that we could know what it means to be children of God. I'm praying that before this day is over, that in turning from their sin, putting their trust in, even if they don't know what that means, dear God, they're just saying, I'm trusting you with this. Dear God, that you would transform their lives. And I'm praying that I'd be able or somebody else on our team be able to help them take their next steps. God, I believe that you're going to do something. So thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you for the fact that you are here for what you're gonna continue to do through your people this Christmas season as we're reminded of that powerful fact. We'll thank you. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. would you stand? Let's sing another song of worshiping our King.